The Hard Parking Podcast is sponsored by Talk Mobile. Talk Mobile is an innovator in retail and works with organizations like T-Mobile to operate stores throughout Arizona, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Louisiana. For more information and to jumpstart your career, please visit TalkMobileNet.com. Again, that's TalkMobileNet.com, our big-time sponsor. Parking Podcast. This is your host, Jay Finning, with guest host, we got Brando Baramita on the phone. What's up, B? What's up, Jay? So, did you have a good uh, Thanksgiving? Yes, I did. Yes, I had a good Thanksgiving, ate a lot, and uh, how about you? Yeah, man. Ours was kind of disappointing in a sense where, and I don't remember if I talked about it or not on the, the Thanksgiving episode, but we didn't really sit down and we didn't say a prayer. We didn't say anything. It was almost like kind of a buffet style at my house, which we're not used to, but it's my fault mm-hmm. because the, well, you know what? I'm blaming Traeger because the smoker cut off on us. So that kind of postponed the turkey for like an hour and a half. And so everyone just started like snacking and shit. And then by the time the turkey was ready, <laughs> people were still kind of hungry, but people weren't really hungry. And just people were just kind of picking up at their food and stuff like that. Was the turkey got chopped up and uh, taken to go like a takeout plate? You know, so usually we do that, but it was just like, my brother-in-law's, or I guess my sister-in-law, she wanted to go to the Black Friday, but, or, um, yeah, Black Friday, but, you know, now they start Black Friday on Thursday, so she cut out type of deal, and, you know, most of the turkey stayed at my house, although it was all gone, you know, by, like, Friday night, because I smoked the turkey, it's incredible. When's the last time you had a Butterfinger? Like the chocolate? Yeah, the candy bar, man. Nobody better lay a finger on my Butterfinger, you know, the Simpsons for, like, oh, 20 years ago. Man, I love Butterfinger. I just had it last week. But it was the Butterfinger Crunch. It was the new Butterfinger. Hmm. So yeah, it's like a mixture of a Kit Kat and a Butterfinger. That's interesting. You know they they actually changed the recipe on that. I was googling. I had no idea. I asked the people on Instagram when was the last time we had a Butterfinger because there's this lady at the office. So I sit on director row, so all the directors walk behind me. But one of the directors, she has like a little I don't know, like a basket where you would normally like drop in mail, but she always fills it with candy. And every day, I feel like she has a full thing of candy. And at the end of the day, it's all gone. But in that candy, these are those little bite-sized things that you would get, like, for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And it's literally just a bite size. So I grabbed one, and I was eating it. I was like, man, this is good. The packaging is different. But that's when I started asking, was the last time I had a Butterfinger? And the answers are ranging anywhere from, like, two weeks ago to 13 years ago. And the most popular answer was, you know, Halloween. But right. I Googled and they at some point, I think in 2017 or 18, they changed the formula. And I noticed it tasted a little different, but maybe that was just the memory. But man, you know what? That's a that's a good ass candy bar, man. <laughs> yeah, you you need to try the Butterfinger Crunch. I feel like I've heard of it before. I've just I don't know, man, because like a, candy bars aren't really on my radar. Mm-hmm. Usually it's one of those things where it's like someone gives it to me, like a coworker will drop, you know, walk by and drop it on my. So, yeah. So we have Butterfinger Crisp. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. There, I see it. It's, uh, yeah, it looks like kind of a, it's almost like a whatchamacallit. I don't think I've had that one. It looks just like a whatchamacallit. You you miss those commercials. So in the 80s, they had a bunch of whatchamacallit commercials, and they were like two guys kind of like, and my memory could be failing me here, but I want to say almost like country-esque, like the like the Dukes of Hazard country, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. there was always like, I want to say there's like these two dudes in a truck, and they're always talking about, you know, whatchamacallit. I want to whatchamacallit. Almost like the Sonic commercials with those two guys. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It is more Butterfinger related. I didn't get here till like 94. So. I graduated mm-hmm. in 94, man. <laughs> hey, I got a story for you. Not a lot of people can fully appreciate this story, but I was thinking about you when this happened. 
this week, we're recording this on a Wednesday. I'm not going to get close to my per diem. But anyway, my story, a few months ago, I'm going to Starbucks. I go to Starbucks every morning, right? I go to this one Starbucks, probably a mile from my office. I do the phone order, pick up my coffee. I'm walking outside and I pass this other dude who's getting out of his car, going inside this black dude. Not a lot of black people in Rancho Mirage, California. I'm super nice. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, brother? Oh, not much, you know? And then he just walks and I kind of look at him and I kind of look at his car, just doing thin slicing. And maybe I'm doing that stereotypical thing. I'm like, man, he looks like somebody. He looks like somebody. I know that guy from somewhere. Not a nice car. I wonder if he's somebody. Too small to be a football player, though. You know what I mean? Like, too small. Maybe he was a track star. Maybe I just think I know him. I've seen him somewhere. Fast forward to a couple weeks ago. I decided to go to this poke place. First off, is it poke? Poke or pokey? What do you call it? Okay. 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 So I go to this poke place. I still don't know if it's really poke, poke, but you call it poke. I'm going to call it poke. I go to this poke place down the street from my job. And I've been there before. Walk in. And as soon as you walk in, they're like, aloha. You know, every, all the employees, aloha. They're all happy to be there, happy to serve you. So in typical, you know, you pick your topping, you pick your dish, whatever. And the guy's there running the register. I'm like, oh, I think that's that one dude because I haven't seen him in like two months. I'm like, oh, that's that one guy who was like that I saw at Starbucks. And he's working the register. I'm like, oh, this must be where I know him from. Pretty sure it's him. I'm going to check out and I'm watching him interact with the customers. And I'm deciding a short dude too, man, a short guy. I'm like, oh, I do know him. That is the guy from Starbucks. Maybe that's where I know him from. So he asked me, you know, what do you want me to, with your meal, whatever? I go, I want a water. He goes, oh, okay, get your water in a, in a Spam Masubi. Spam Masubi is so good. Mm, yes yeah <laughs> so that's good yeah so the spam the not ready he goes oh and I, I go to pay and he goes oh we got you today brother i was like oh i said that's all right man because i'm sitting here thinking i get a per diem so i'm getting the money back anyway right. and i was like oh i'll pay he goes no no we got you today brother just take it enjoy your lunch enjoy your lunch and i go oh okay i appreciate it my thought is okay i'm gonna buy somebody else something now, i'm not gonna turn around and buy the person in line lunch right behind me you know but you know later on that day i ended up buying some people Starbucks. But I sit down and I'm eating and I'm, I'm close to the, you know, the checkout. And, you know, I notice people are coming in, they're talking to him. So, I mean, if he works there all the time and I figured he's like the manager because he started telling people like, hey, why don't you go ahead and take a break when you're done? You know, or, oh, man, we, if we screw up this register, my wife's going to kill me. So I'm like, OK, this is his wife's place, whatever. Okay. And they're talking to him about athlete, you know, sports and stuff like that. I'm like, OK, whatever. So when I get done, I leave, you know, I'm like, hey, thanks for lunch. You know, but he's busy talking to other people and he just kind of, you know, waves up in the air. And so. Like a day later, I'm sitting there at work, working my ass off. Okay, actually, I'm sitting there at work, and I'm not working my ass off. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting there going through Twitter, because that's where I get my video content. Spoiler alert, all those funny videos I put on Instagram, I get 90% of them from Twitter. And so I'm scrolling. I come across this guy. I go, wait a minute. Hold up. Is that? That's the guy from the poke place, man. So, and he's, he's, he's arguing with Max Kellerman. So, you know who Max Kellerman is? You have to know who Max Kellerman is. Yep, yep, yep. ESPN. Right. Yep. And so I click on his bio and it says Cathedral City, California. That's here. I've, I drive past Cathedral City every day to work. I've stayed in Cathedral City. I'm looking at this guy. He's got like a hundred and something thousand followers. Guess who he was? Timothy Bradley Jr. I was like, that motherfucker. So they own the poke place. You're about to look him up right now, aren't you? You should, hey, yeah. you should fucking know who he is. I'm shocked you don't know who he is. He's fought Manny Pacquiao like three times, bro. Did you find him? He's like, I don't know what it's right. He's like 32, two and one. Okay. So he, so he retired from boxing. Man, you're disappointing me right now. Hold on. No, you hold on. What's his yeah. name? Anthony what? Timothy Bradley Jr. Oh, Timothy Bradley. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm just making sure uh, mm-hmm. they're the same one. Okay, yes. Yep, yep. I know that guy. Yeah. He, they just fought like one of the recent ones with Manny Pacquiao, right? Like, yeah, I think he's fought three, him like three ago. times. Yeah. Yep, I'm yep, like, yep. that's where I know him. I've seen him on boxing when we're watching the pay-per-views. Like, obviously, I'd know Manny if he was in front of me. I'd know Money May if he's in front of me. But yeah. I don't watch, I'd know, you know, Max Kellerman if he's in front of me. But I don't watch he, boxing he, enough. He looks like your, your typical black dude, you know, that you grew up with. Like, I know two people that I played football with that I could be like, oh, I could have been them. See, that's the thing. Because when I was walking out of the poke place, I was like, is this where I know him from? I guess it is, but I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just doing that whole black people look alike thing because mm-hmm. I know some people who kind of look like that, you know. Yep. But he was just so charismatic and energetic. I mean, he's five six, you know. Yeah. And on on here it says he's five six one forty. I don't know, bro. He's about buck twenty. Like he's a little dude. Right. But that's totally him. I remember him. that. He won the first fight against Manny Pacquiao. Man, he's born here in Palm Springs too, so he doesn't move. But yeah, so he's got you know they own you know the the chain of the House of Poke, but man. This motherfucker bought me lunch. That's cool. I tweeted out to him. He didn't tweet back. You know, I'll say what's up to him one day when I go in there. That's cool. I'm going to get into Twitter. I'm going to get into Twitter next year. Don't do it. No. Twitter sucks, man. I hate my fuck. You know, if it wasn't for Rex Chapman's page who posted videos, I probably would have given up on Twitter a long time ago because it's just all bullshit. It's all too much drama. Too loud. it's, It's all, you know what? And then, you know, I used to like it more because some of the people I would follow, I would send them tweets. And they tweet back. My wife was always like, well, how do you know that's really them? I was like, well, most people have to run their own social media because you can't trust people anymore. All it takes is a bad tweet to fuck up your reputation. You know, a lot of the ESPN people, sometimes they'll tweet you, but sometimes they only tweet other, you know, verified accounts. And they're always fighting with people who tweet negative shit to them. And it's just like all all Twitter is is a, a constant feed of negativity with the exception of an occasional cool video. Sounds like drama. It's the worst. And then I have a friend of mine who once I, I liked a video once and I have I don't know the context. You know, I just saw a video. Some lady was putting a reporter in his place. And I was like, oh, I liked I liked how she put him in his place. I don't know anything about what's going on. And one of my good friends texted me. He's like, hey, I can't believe you liked that video. It was a it was a political video. And he was very I don't know if he's right wing or left wing. Honestly, I don't even know. He's whatever people who, he, he's hardcore Democrat. He must be because apparently she must be like a Republican, whatever, something, something, you know. And he he literally texted me moments after I like all I did was I liked a tweet. I didn't make any comments, but I'm sitting there thinking like, damn, I got to run all my shit through. Like, what the fuck? I'm telling you, man, Twitter is no good. That's weird that you got a text for that. though. <laughs> so we went on. So this weekend we had a, uh, a one auto cruise and this made me think about driving out here in Palm Springs and how people drive. Because they drive slow. And it's a thing, man. If I have to pass you on the right, then you're an asshole. I'm not the asshole. You're an asshole. Yep. So what do you got for us? The Defender Project and getting some people involved with that too. We've gone as far as even having a conversation of making it an electric, an EV. No, that sounds exciting. What do you think of me making an EV Land Rover Defender? If you're the first to do it, which it sounds like you would be, it's just going to be one of those things that just brings all sorts of, you know, attention. You may, you'll probably somewhat break the internet. I don't think anyone could break it more than Elon does with his things. But I mean, it'll, if it's, it'll be the first, if not one of the first. And I think people go crazy over it because of that. I think we're moving to that phase that new cars are going to be electronic vehicles. 
And I think the classic iconic vehicles that we grew up loving are all going to come back on the road, but they're going to be EV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a reimagined version. Correct. I think it's going to be like a reimagined resto mod version of the exact same car. It's just now it's electric. It would be cool to have an EV Land Rover Defender just drive around here, you know, in the beach town. Did you see that Honda is resurrecting as a prototype for its 20th anniversary of the S2000? Okay. You said that, that you you made me think about, I was like, man, so one day an NSX, Gen 1 NSX could come out as an EV vehicle. Isn't that crazy? Because look at the classic cars. All the classic cars from before, they all stood out. You know, they all look different. Now you can put all the cars next to each other. They all look the same. Yeah, because they all do the same air tunnel testing and they all try to do the same aerodynamics. It's unintentional, I think. It's just the way it usually works out. Before I go, I'll tell you, I was listening to CarCast and they were talking about hybrid vehicles and EV vehicles. And Matt on there was saying that some of his hardcore Edmonds friends from Edmonds were advising to not buy anything electric to only lease because they don't know where the battery technology is going to be in three, five, 10 years. And you don't want to get caught up in the air with a, a vehicle that runs on a battery if the batteries won't charge anymore. And I just, I never really thought about that because, you know, I'm targeting getting an NC1 NSX. And now I'm kind of like, huh, should I lease one? You know, so now it's just, it's just giving me pause because once the 2017s roll off of lease and let's say I get too impatient and I want to pull the trigger on one instead of waiting for the 2022 refresh year, even if I get it at a great deal, is it just going to be prehistoric in 10 years? So like we can look at our cars now, the ones that we have, our NSXs, and they still have a tremendous value and there's not much on them that's antiquated, but you know, can you imagine if battery technology in 10 years is so much different as it should be? The only thing that hasn't changed over time apparently is airlines because they're still making the same jets and the seats suck just as bad as they did 30 <laughs> years ago. Right. But everything else seems to be moving forward. I don't know. It just gave me pause. I never really thought about that until they said it. I was just, I don't know. Now I'm kind of, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, they kind of, it, well, it, it makes sense. But I follow Henry, Henrik Fisker on Instagram and he is pushing this uh, program with the new Fisker Ocean, the SUV that they're doing it for like $325 a month for the car. And okay. So check this out. It says 2000. It looks like an Evo. Right. And it's $379 per month to lease it. Oh, I see that. To where you yeah. can, like if you don't want it, let's say you use it for six months and you don't want it anymore. You return it back. So he's he's the saying that this What's is the, the most. Thing, I'm looking at it right now. It looks cool. It looks like a little lane, uh, Range Rover Evoque. Am I saying it right? It's Evoque. It's not Ev- Evoque. Alvacu yeah. or something. No, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fisker Ocean. Correct. And when he said uh, when oh. he said that this is going to be the most sustainable vehicle, it comes with five I easy to say, choose options. Yeah, I want to say that he can switch out the motors and the batteries as they get older. So it comes with five options. The ocean is due in 2021. It'll be the most sustainable SUV on the planet, probably until the truck comes out. We didn't talk about the Tesla Cybertruck officially. What are your thoughts? Didn't you put a deposit yes, on it? Yes, I did. A deposit on it. I, I can't wait to get my fucking hands on one. I can't fucking wait. Would be dope. Now, do you think they're ugly, but you still want one? I don't I don't know about the word ugly, but I think it's, it's very, it's unique. It's different and it'll stand out. 
I've I've never wanted to fit in. So having something like that, heck yeah, like that's that's so audacious and obnoxious. I think it's fucking great. What do you think? I don't. I'm skeptical, and I'm not skeptical of the vehicle. I'm skeptical of the vehicle's availability because didn't the Tesla three take forever to come out, and people started getting frustrated. Mm-hmm. And so that's it. So, so I'm really skeptical of this availability. I don't know what's the price going to be. Isn't it super cheap, like fifty thousand or something? Yeah, it starts at fifty, and it's supposed to tow like a space shuttle. Like I don't know, man. I'm skeptical. Yeah, um, I, I I don't know. Me me too. But they're not going to start producing it until the end of 2021. Oh, okay. So I think on a clickbait, I thought it was like the 2021. Cybertruck, but they're not even gonna start making them. So, we're, are we looking at maybe 2022 and a half, 2023 model yep, year? 2022. And besides, with those angles, there's no way it's gonna look like that. Maybe similar? You know, I think they should keep it the way it is. I mean, like the front bumper, like you just like not legal, you know, like cars have to have a definitive front bumper, they have to have a definitive rear bumper, you know, for like crash testing and stuff like that. Right. They'll, they'll make some tweaks to make it like road ready this just came to me while i'm staring at my bottle of haku vodka across the the hotel room because i want to go over there and pour myself some is it's like an origami truck right right exactly it's like little polygons paper Paper craft there you go the favorite meme that i've seen and i keep it on my phone have you seen that i send you the meme where the where he's smoking weed and staring at laura croft i find it so funny i don't know i just because you could kind of understand how he's just kind of processing what he's looking at and all of a sudden he's like yeah i got an idea yeah, I've seen I've seen that people use that meme of uh of him smoking weed with that cyber truck. Yeah, I think I think it's so fucking audacious. He's he's not trying to fit in as well. He's he's just being Elon Musk, you know. Well, let's reconvene in the in the new year. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Maybe we can do a segment from uh, the Philippines. That'd be great. Yep. Well, cool. Um, yeah, I can't wait for that. And then also, I think this is going to be the last podcast for the year. Cool. All right, Brando, thanks for joining. That's always a special treat for our listeners, I think. They get excited and all giddy and the chicks get all snail Thanks trailer. for having me, Jay. And then, uh, all right, we'll talk to you uh, later. See you later. Now I am joined by two really good friends of mine. I met them at NSX West Fest. Actually, I met them before because they repaired part of my NSX. But I met them at NSX West Fest in Las Vegas a few years ago. These guys are doing the Lord's work. All the way from Mississippi, we are joined by Matt Lindsay and Charles Brown from NSX Rack Repair. Gentlemen, what's up? What's up, Jay? How's it going, sir? Going good. How are you guys doing? Miss you, buddy. Doing great. Uh, so NSX Rack Repair. Let's talk about NSX Rack Repair. You know, when did you guys get started? What exactly? Let me back up. I'm sorry. I'm rushing this. I'm rushing this. I don't want to rush a good time. A few years ago, I noticed my car was squeaking when I turned the steering wheel. Wasn't quite sure what it was. Went online. Somehow found you guys, and I laid underneath my car, dropped the NSX power steering rack on my belly, hurt like a motherfucker, and shipped it off to you guys. You sent it back to me. I beat the hell out of it to install it. Didn't work. He did. <laughs> that was the first. By the way, has anybody else done that? Uh, no, no, not like you. No, that's uh. You know, I remember the phone call. You were like, I don't know if I was supposed <laughs> to try to seat it this way or not, but I hit it pretty hard. With a hammer. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I was beating on that motherfucker. I was so mad. I was just hammering away at this thing. So I, 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 I fucked it up by beating on it. You, know, you line it up and it'll it'll slide in. So I sent it back to you guys and you sent it back to me. Yeah. So when we got it, the uh, basically the input shaft, uh, the bearing that the input shaft goes into, it was literally destroyed. It looked like somebody beating on it with a hammer. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, after we replaced that, though, you got it right the second time. Got it right the second time. NSX rack repair. Yeah. Let's get the boring shit out of the way because this is technically the tech talk, but it's also a full end-to-end interview. When do people notice? So again, this is specific to an NSX, but it probably happens in other vehicles. I don't know. But what are some of the telltale signs for NSX owners that are listening to this podcast? Okay. Well, I guess the uh, the main telltale sign that you know uh, you start seeing this a little bit, and then it just keeps getting worse and worse as it you know, progressively gets uh, what gets you know, worse as the rack gets older. And but yeah, you know, the top dead center, you'll feel a bump. And the uh, steering wheel one where it's perfectly straight. So if you move it to the left and then back to center, uh, then you're going to feel a slight like a like a bump or a hump or negative feedback. It just, you know, initially feels like something very minor. And then as it as it gets worse or if you continue to drive that way, it'll turn into more of a uh, a notchy type feel. And then you'll get some squeaking and things like that. And, you know, you've really gone too far with it when we start to get, you know, the, the screeching type noise. Uh, but, you know, all of these are going to have the issue. It's just a uh, it, they're inherently flawed due to uh, the lining of the, the bushings inside there. And we uh, we build those in house. We replace those bushings. We replace any of the bearings that need to be replaced. If they you know, if the bearings are perfect, we don't touch them because you can do more damage than than good. If you, uh, you know, if you try to knock out every one of them. And then, of course, the uh, large inbelt bushing, we replace it uh, on, you know, for clients that want the plus package. We recommend that on any car that's over 80,000 miles or any car that's tracked or, you know, even, you know, if you want the best out of your car, you know, or drive it spiritedly, that's what you want. So what are the safety implications? So let's say, you know, I hear a squeak and my steering is a little loose, but no big deal. Right. So what happens if I just choose to ignore it? Well, um, you want to take this one? or Sure. uh, Yeah. Worst case scenario is. Uh, the bump will get worse and the squeak will get louder. Um, eventually, the, the squeak is just the, the electric motors um, building up and the brushes wearing out. And uh, once those brushes are worn out, you'll get an EPS light. Your EPS will stop working, but you can still drive the car. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a huge safety risk if you just keep going you know, with a, with a worn out steering rack. Unless the bushings became unseated, which you know, that would be absolute worst case scenario. Sure, and that is possible. And at that point, you'd lose steering altogether. So, how many of these racks have you possible. guys repaired? Uh, in our estimations, around 350 since 2011. Uh, we've been doing it for a long time now. So, there's still a, a lot more out there that we haven't done for sure. I'm talking to Charles and Matt from NSX Rack Repair, that's Charles Brown and Matt Lindsay. Let's spice this up. Let's say Charles here, Matt here, because you both are, <laughs> you know, you have that country twang to you. Sure. So what else yes. are you guys doing besides, so how many NSXs do you have? I, I understand you have collected some NSXs over the years. We do. We've got a few parts cars, um, and then we've got some other ones that we bought to uh, fix up and, and repair and, and eventually sell. And then we've got some other ones that we, we drive all the time. I don't even know exactly how many. Number, please. Right What's that? Number, how many do you have? Uh, nine ish. Yeah. So, people listening, nine. if you're looking for an NSX, 
and you're mad because the NSX that you wanted got purchased and it was maybe in some rough shape because you buy, you guys buy ones that are kind of in rough shape, right? Well, both, you know, if it's, you know, if it's a really nice car, that's a good deal. You know, we'll, you know, I like to drive the, or I like to buy them with a, you know, clean title, great history and drive them for a little while and, you know, and then resell them. And, you know, sometimes I, I still do really well on them. It's just, uh, you know, depends on when you buy and, you know, what's available during, you know, on the market. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's not uncommon for us to have one with a, you know, like the purple car, you know, it's, uh, it's for sale right it, now. Yeah, it's for sale right now, but it's a clean title. You know, it's, uh, I think the, the, the front bumper was replaced some point in its life, but yeah, it's never been in a major accident or anything like that. And that's, you know, then I don't know, our Sebring silver car that we had before that actually where we were driving when we met you for the first time, that was a, you know, that was a clean title and, uh, and we have a 05 that's a clean title. So yeah, it's, uh, it just depends. We, so the last time I saw you guys, you had a, I want to say it was Kaiser silver and you blew your radiator on the way home from Westfest. That's right. And that was Wisconsin. Yeah, that was on the way home from uh, NS Expo. No, well, it was Expo 17. That's right. Or 17, yeah. Yeah, 18 was San Francisco. So, yeah, we were, uh, what's the uh, what's the highway in between, uh, was it uh, Milwaukee and uh, yeah, just Chicago? In, yeah, just north of Chicago. 90? 80, 90? Uh, something like 80 slash yeah. 90 or something like that. Maybe it was Highway 80, Highway 90, something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, three lanes on each side. So, essentially, a six-lane highway. And uh, there was a... WRX STI coming up in the rearview mirror. I might, I might as well uh, tell the whole story, right? Oh, okay. So this, the car didn't just take a shit on you. Some shit happened. No, no. I, I, I probably broke it. Mm. Hey, turn your fucking phone off. Sorry. That was an alert on my computer, actually. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I see this. Uh, oh, yeah. We have, have to tell Is another that an story. App? That's a Mac, right? Yes. It's, That's yeah, why it sounds it's, like my iPhone. Yeah, it hates me. So anyway, I see, uh, again, I I'm you. driving. It's, uh, the bad luck only happens whenever I'm driving. <laughs> but I see an SDI coming up on our right rear. Okay, so I'm in the middle lane, and he's in the uh, the far right lane. Well, I uh, he gets up to beside us, and I was like, oh, well, this guy's wanting to race, obviously, because he's in an import, and he looks angry. So, I, uh, so anyway, I get on it, and he gets on it, and... Ours is obviously faster. Our Kaiser Silver car was supercharged. It was an SOS supercharger. Shout out to Chris. And uh, so, yeah, we uh, we played for a few minutes. There was nobody else in the way. I mean, it's, it's not like we were, you know, being dangerous or anything like that. And and then we slow down. He gives me a thumbs up. And next thing I know, he like switches lanes and gets over in the far left lane and like flies up beside me and breaks really hard and starts pointing at the front of our car. And uh, then I realized that our uh, I looked at the coolant gauge and we were almost in the red and the smoke was coming from the radiator up front. And so we pull over and we're like a mile and a half from a, from a gas station, at, which it could have been so much worse. But, but yeah, we we get out on the side of the road on the six lane highway, which is now really, really busy because we're, we're closer to a major exit. We're like right outside of Chicago. And uh, yeah, so we realized we have a a hole blown in our radiator and uh, yeah, we're supercharged and on a car with 86,000 miles and factory radiator. <laughs> so we end up, uh, yeah, we, we real diagnosed it on the side of the road, limped it to a, a gas station. What do you mean you diagnosed it? You popped the hood and looked at it and you got, you yeah, know, you're like, yeah, obviously the radiator, radiator is shit. Like right. 
It was the radiator and not a hose. Yeah, and it wasn't an end cap. It was, you know, it wasn't something that we could put some like JB Quick on and and make it. It was actually one of the uh, what's the thing called? Well, it's where the, the fins. Yes, yeah, where the fins meet the plastic tank on the bottom. Yeah. So they're okay. fixing it basically. So we limp it to a, a gas station and carry. We had a few tools with us, but not enough to change a radiator. So. We started, uh, we got on Facebook and of course, uh, NS Expo on Facebook and uh, on the owner's group. We started asking if anybody was around there, you know, if anybody could help us. And we ended up finding, mm, I remember that amazing guy, you know, pe- people started reaching out to us and we were getting phone calls and this guy's like, I'm an hour and a half away, but he's like, I've got a radiator. It's already in my car. And I, I, he said, I left 15 minutes ago. So he's like, you know, he was Superman coming to save us, but he literally brought that thing to us an hour and a half away. And I was like, dude, how much do I owe you? I said, I want to, I want to take care of you. And he's like, just send it back to me whenever you get back. No big deal at all. And he's like, or if you want to keep it, maybe 50 bucks. It's like, yes, I want to keep it. And and so I gave him a hundred bucks and he, he was just super, super nice. And uh, so, yeah, we didn't have any more problems on the way home and it uh, worked out really well. So uh, you guys would have been pretty happy if you got out of Sapphires for 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so one other story though, on the, uh, on the way there to, uh, to Wisconsin for NSX, uh, this was 17, uh, Expo yeah. 17. 17. So 17, yes. we'd only been on the road for, I don't know, four hours maybe at the time. Sure. We were, uh, I don't even think we we're in St. Louis yet. No, but so I'm driving and Charles and I were talking. He's like, uh, do you grab some food? And I was like, yeah, you know, uh, he's like, well, we can turn right up here. And, you know, I, I see a Corvette coming up in the rearview mirror. And a stoplight. And a stoplight. And it couldn't have been any more perfect. It's like, yeah, I want to turn up there right after this street race. And I, I was just completely joking. You know, it was an old man driving the Corvette and no intentions to race this guy. And Charles just kind of laughed and, oh, I just got to hold on from you. Are you there? All right, I'm back. <laughs> Dang it, Jay. Yeah, the hotel Wi-Fi took a shit. Oh, no. Awesome. Did you put a quarter in it? <laughs> yes. All right. It's still going. So you guys were driving okay. back. Okay. So in the right lane coming up, a silver Corvette. C4, C5, C6. It was a C4. So like a 97 to 02-ish. So no, I was thinking it was the body style after that. Oh, was it? That would be C5. C5 then? I think it's C5. Okay. Well... It had the pop-ups. It for sure had the pop-ups. It did. So, anyways, yeah, it had to be. Anyway, last year, the pop-ups, whatever that is. I I don't know Corvettes very well. But anyway, there's an old guy driving it. You know, there is zero chance of this guy wanting a street race. Uh, But I just saw a Corvette, and I was like, you know, right after the street race, just joking. I didn't rev up the engine or anything like that. And we're, we're coming to a stop at this red light. And sure enough, I look over and this guy is like fuming angry because he's wanting to street race. <laughs> and I was like, this guy's like 70. He's, he doesn't want to race. So sure enough, he, you know, he revs it up and it, there we go. And we did like three or four pulls. And uh, yeah, he, it was pretty much neck and neck, unfortunately. And we were supercharged and we were so disappointed in that car. Just, you know, we had uh the car was supposed to dyno at like 418 at the wheels. So I know the guy that's had pretty good, off. actually. That's, that's damn good yeah. for a supercharged. Yeah, for yeah. a 3.2 you know, supercharged car. And uh, so anyway, we know that 
you know, exhaust. And, you know, if he has headers on that thing, he's probably got, you know, somewhere around 450, you know, 475 and that thing. But we just thought that we would, you know, annihilate him, you know, and <laughs> it was literally neck and neck. Yeah. That first pull off the line when the, when the light turned green, that the Corvette ran off and left Matt, but he did kind of miss second just a little bit. Yeah. So. I, well, I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> no, he wasn't you know, ready. I just, I, I was completely shocked that this guy's like, this old guy's ready to rock and roll. And, you know, but anyway, so he caught me off guard and, you know, in our defense, like in, in third gear, we were pulling on him pretty hard. So, I mean, the first, if we would have, you know, you know, strung it out to fourth gear, you know, we would have been going way too fast on the highway. So, but yeah, we would have, you know, we would have beaten him. It just wasn't a, it wasn't a pretty sight. You know, it wasn't something that you could be proud of type of a win. So yeah, that's uh yeah. So that happened, you know, I, it just, was so crazy that I was like right after this street race and, you know, <laughs> never had any intentions of racing this guy because obviously it's, you know, never would have thought in a million years that this guy would be, you know, ready to race, unprovoked ready to race. But yeah, so there's that. So that sucked. <laughs> That's so what else do you guys know? So how did you guys meet? All right. So when I met you guys, you guys are like, in my opinion, you're completely different people, which are equally as fun. And I can't imagine going to an NSX West Fest or NSX NS Expo with only one of you. <laughs> because every time I see you guys, 50% of you has some sort of drama, whether you're puking in the Porsche that you rented or yeah. you're puking outside of the Uber or you're getting walked by my car and a baby blue Jaguar. Like I don't know about walked, but, you know. All Charles, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Supercharged. That's, that's true. But uh, Charles yeah. threw up in the Porsche. He threw up in the Uber, and he raced you and the canyons <laughs> that I didn't attend. To. That's right. So, how did so you guys yeah. meet? You, you guys yeah. have been friends for how, how long? Have you guys known each other? Well, we've known each other since uh, probably high school, I guess, just because of the the car scene. But I lived about 30 miles south of uh, where we live now. I live in, in Boonville now in Mississippi. 30 miles is a, it's a big difference as far as who you know and stuff. So we kind of knew of each other. Right. And uh, so after high school and in college, I was working at Circuit City as a car audio installer. And uh, so I Are you the that. reason why Circuit City went under? Yeah. No, not because of me, but, Probably you know, okay. big man. I had to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I was an installer there and I did a bunch of other stuff on the side as well, as far as putting TVs in for friends and remote starts and things like that. Mm-hmm. And and Matt always had uh, stuff that he wanted to put in his awesome cars that he was buying. And uh, so that's kind of how we met. Um, officially. Yeah, officially that's how we met. So I basically worked for him for a couple of years, just doing odd and end jobs on the side. And we, we just really became friends and, that's that it, huh? Probably, yeah, that was that was pretty much it. But Matt, also, what's your, I had a uh, I had a '94 Supra. Okay, and he had a '95 Supra. So we we had that in common as well. So that well, okay, just not to interrupt here, but but to interrupt here. Uh, so yeah, I had the <laughs> white Supra at the time, and Charles had the black Supra, and like we knew of each other. We would meet uh, like McAllister parking lot, which is just basically a, a deli chain. So here white in. versus black, you guys were ahead of your time. Continue yeah, exactly. That's right. So, uh, ebony and ivory. That's right. <laughs> a little bit of a chocolate, a little bit of vanilla, and it just it made a nice swirl. But so no, you guys the, are mounds um, with nuts. Yeah, exactly. 
But so we would meet at the uh, McAllister parking lot at, and at night on uh, in Tupelo. That was kind of the place where anybody with a car that wanted to have fun, that's where you'd meet up, you know, whether it was just to, to hang out, you know, stand by your car or, you know, race your car. It's not how you stand by your car. It's how you race your car. You better learn that. But, uh, but yeah, so we knew of each other then, but we never really talked. It's not like, uh, it's, it's like we were rivals, so to speak, but not really because we didn't know each other and we never actually raced each other. It's just, we Got both it. had turbo Supras and, you know, it's just, uh, just one of those things. Well, then we, uh, you know, we started hanging out and, you know, start, Charles started doing some stuff like, what was the first one? Was it the S14 was the? Yeah, it's probably your black 97 240SX. Yeah, we had a, I had a 97 that had a uh, notchback SR swap, had a GT uh, 2871R uh, turbo on it. Basically a modified disco potato. Charles had set it up to where I had a uh, intercooler sprayer at full throttle. So it, it would spray uh, alcohol and water onto the intercooler at full throttle. And move my climate control and things like that to the middle so that I can have gauges in the dash. Uh, but he put those in the console under the lid. So it's, uh, and so that I can make room for the boost controller and, you know, all that good stuff on the dash. So he was a, is a magician whenever it comes to things like that. Is that the same car we put the JDM folding mirrors on? Yes. Also? Put the JDM folding mirrors and Charles put the remote start on it, which ended up running over me. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> but it was because I wanted it, and uh, that that almost killed me. But it was worth it. Yeah, near death experiences are always worth it when you go back and look at them later oh, yeah. on. Especially like my dad took pictures of it, and he's got a, like a picture of it of the two forty sitting inside the shop with like the the brick and the glass broken around it. He he keeps that pinned to the bulletin board. <laughs> so. Yeah, along with our the first NSX that I bought that had the paint, uh, the latex paint thrown all over it. He's got a picture of that on the bulletin board as well. Wait, what? Story. Oh, you don't know that story. Story. Okay, the very first NSX I that not. I bought, I had first of all, like my father and I had a. He has a wrecker service and a body shop and things like that. Well, I had been watching a car on IAA for for like two months. You know, it didn't have a sell date and. When it finally got a sell date, you know, the IAA that? that's what, insurance what, what auto auction, that? it's like a, it's like a, I guess a, a less known version of Copart. Yeah. Dealer only. Yeah. You had- so, so I've been watching a, right. a 91 NSX. Okay. Looked, you know, it looks super rough at, because it had, you know, white paint thrown throughout the car. Vandalized by his wife, right? Yeah. So I found that out later after I, after I got the car and called the name on the title, but it had, uh, you know, you could see paint, like white latex paint on the interior, which I didn't know it was latex at the time. You could see it on the hood. You could see it down the bumper. It just, you know, it was bad, but you know, it was showing to have crazy low miles. It, it was a 91 Berlin black on black with 18,000 miles. And this was in, uh, this would have been in er- either late 05 or very early 06. The night before the auction, we had a, we had a really bad thunderstorm. And we had to uh, to work an accident where a tree was like blown over by a tornado and it got some power lines and two vehicles were pinned in under the trees and we had to tow those vehicles. Well, I climbed through the trees and hooked up the cable to the back of this vehicle to, to get it pulled out and uh, had no idea that I was like crawling through uh, poison oak in shorts. 
And so the next day I end up uh, hospitalized. Yeah. Because uh, I'm yeah, like, you know, it's in my bloodstream. My eyes are all swollen and, you know, I think I'm dying and they're, you know, they got a, these, uh, you know, antibiotics running and, you know, they're just basically on a drip and whatnot. So dad was like, do you want me to bid this car off for you? You know, I was like, yeah, you know, please do. I don't want to miss it and, and all of that. So he bid the thing off while I was you know, laying in the hospital. Well, it, uh, when we got it in, it was a, uh, you know, the mileage was correct. You know, besides the paint, the car literally looked like a brand new car. The, uh, I figured out that if I heated up, a you know, like a, a shop towel or in really hot water, I could lay it over the paint and the paint would literally peel off. So besides the, uh, besides the factory radio that was ruined because the latex paint got in behind the screen and things like that. So besides that and, uh, the, uh, the clock and the uh, climate control, everything else was perfect. The entire body was original paint. Literally it was an insurance job that they paid off on, gave it a, uh, you know, salvage title because of this. And it literally needed nothing but a radio, a climate control, and a clock. It's yeah, like exactly. the pro and con of those insurance claims. Sometimes you don't <laughs> exactly want them to right. fuck it up. Sometimes so you want them to I got the up. car and, you know, I think I, I think I paid like 22 grand for it. Now, keep in mind, this was like back in 06. So, you know, on its best day, it was worth less than 40, you know. Now, of course, it's, it'd be, you know, be way more. But right. I put 10,000 miles on it. I had the car right. for almost two years. And uh, so I, I sold it when it had like 28,000 miles and some change. Well, absolutely love the car. But a friend of mine had uh, had ordered a, a new Corvette. He, he had ordered an 08 Corvette. It had the 430 horsepower, the new motor in it and all of that. And he's like, dude, it's the best bang for your buck. You should order one of these, you know, and sell the NSX. So I listened. I sold my baby. and. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I sold guy. it and ordered a silver with red and black, uh, 3LT interior, nav, six-speed, you know, all that good stuff, NPP exhaust. And it was just, uh, you know, I thought it's what I wanted. Whenever I took delivery of it, it had 80 miles on it. And uh, I, I took delivery in November. The night that I drove it, I was absolutely sick that I sold my NSX for, for this thing. And the, you know, the power was in the wrong spot. It was just absolutely not what I wanted. So February, I had 980 miles on it and I listed it for sale. By the time I had 1,010 miles, I had sold it. And uh, so when it left my house, it had 1,010 miles. Well, I had already found a 92 NSX. It was a uh, formula red with a uh, ivory interior. Uh, the Japanese close, uh, close gear five speed had already been swapped out. and uh, it had a Burns custom exhaust, you know, and it was number 662, which is our area code. So I was like, this is perfect. And so I bought that. Get the fuck out of here with this shit. Literally the day that I bought the, the day that I sold the Corvette, literally that afternoon, I bought the red NSX and was working on getting it shipped here. But yeah, it's a uh, area code 662 as far as our, our phones go. And yeah, it's uh that was uh, the production number was 000662. Don't so, beat yeah, yourself uh, up too much about that because it's kind of like you don't know until you know, right? So you don't, the grass yeah. is always greener on the other side until you hop the fence. Find out it's even more fucked up sometimes. That's exactly right. And it looked, you know, really good on paper, but paper, you can't tell that, uh, 
you know, that feel, you know, it didn't have the visceral feel of the NSX. It did, certainly didn't have the aura. It didn't give you a, what do you call it, Charles? You, you've got a word for it. Uh, the fizz. The, yeah, the fizz. It doesn't have that, you know, it doesn't have <laughs> yeah, the fizz. That. <laughs> it doesn't have the magic the NSX has. That's very true. I mean, guys, here we are days away from 2020. What Honda was able to accomplish with the NSX, incredible. We agree. It really is. And that was in 1990. Just whenever they first started selling those things to the public in Japan. Right. 30 years ago, man. Yeah, 3 0. 3 and to 0. Put that thing, put, to put it into perspective, all of the automatics had electric power steering, even way back then. And that just blows my mind. Electronic assisted power yeah. steering. Yeah, elect, yeah, EPS. Of course, it shuts off at 18 miles per hour. So, what's the exactly? I was going to say, so what's the real difference? So I tell people it basically disengages and turns into no power steering after you get to like 15, 18 miles an hour. Yep. But it's difficult for people to understand because I don't know how many vehicles actually do that. Well, I don't think my car does. I've got a 2014 Acura ILX and it feels like it's assisted even up on the highway. Probably is. Yeah. I know uh, Lexus has been using an EPS setup for a long time. Um, I don't know if this is uh, the first car, but I know, you know, the like the LS460 had it when it, you know, it first came out in 07. And I know it, it never shuts off, you know, and to... You know, you can definitely tell it. It's it's completely, you know, even, you know, the NSX, if it didn't shut off, it would be completely numb with assisted steering. And, you know, but because it shuts off, like if you've ever driven an E, well, and you, I guess you have, but if you've driven an EPS with it unplugged, you know, it still has plenty of road feedback. It, you know, it feels exactly how Honda wanted it to feel. Now, it's not as, you know, uh, it doesn't have the same amount of feedback as, say, a, a complete manual rack. But it's very, very good. You know, it's it's very good for what right. it is. So I can imagine it being any better. Matt. Sir. Story with the so going way back when you decided to, for whatever reason, the grass was green on the other side and you got a Corvette. What are your thoughts on or well, for both of you actually, what are your thoughts on the C eight and what do you think it's gonna do to the NSX market? Because there's a lot of debate with NSX owners on what does this actually mean for the NC1 NSX? Like, what do you guys think of the C8 initially? And what do you think it's going to do to the market? Both of you can answer. And by the way, neither of you have identified yourself. So hopefully people can understand through your voices. And again, we're talking to Matt Lindsay and Charles Brown of NSX Rack Repair. Yeah, so this is Charles. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like the C8. It's interesting. It's, it's very cool that GM did that. They basically gave the public what the public have been asking for forever. Uh, even at the price point. Now, I don't like GM personally. That's just me, though. I don't like their build quality. I don't like their plastic everything. Um, it just seems like the interiors fall apart after a few years. Have you seen a C8 um, person? That's just my personal opinion. I have. I saw one at SEMA. Okay. Lucky. <laughs> did you, did, did you uh, walk away from it thinking the was... same thing still? I did. I did. <laughs> Well, how do you think it was just sitting there and there was a crowd of people around it? Do what? Was it that weird brown color? Um, I think it was blue. Don't remember. And I I don't even think I took a picture of it just because it it was not exciting. (laughs) Because if you give it enough time, you're going to see one in every corner. Oh, this is called spade a spade. I thought the car was cool looking. I think it has some really ugly angles. Let's just call it like it is. Sure. I should like the interior. Yeah, hey, Matt, what are your I'll, thoughts I'll on the kind of, car? I'll kind of chime in too, though. Like, 
whenever I was growing up, you know, I, I think what was it 95, they had that concept that was mid-engine that looked like a shark, you know, and, and that's, uh, everybody said that they were going to produce a mid-engine Corvette, you know, and before, before that there was, you know, rumors of that happening even back in the eighties and whatnot. So it literally took them, you know, that long to, uh, you know, to produce, you know, what they had been, I guess, uh, teasing us with for years. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's an absolute great price point. I mean, you're going to have what, you know, close to 500 horsepower and a naturally aspirated mid-engine car that's, but pricing it that low, there's no uh, exclusivity of it, you know, so you're not going to feel special driving it, you know, and with the, you know, say the NC1, right. you know, one, yeah, it, you're going to feel special every time you drive it because you're not, you know, your neighbor's not going to have one or, you know, it, if they do, you know, you're not going to see them very often at all, you know, and, you know, the NSX has a very special feel to it. The new ones do the, uh, you know, the 91 through 05 absolutely does, you know, but, you know, whenever you compare it to the Corvette, it's, yeah, it's mid-engine, you know, the the figures are, you know, they're really great for the price point, but it's still a Corvette, you know, either way you slice it, it's just, there's going to be a lot of them out there. And I don't know, it, it's just, it doesn't do anything for me because I know if it feels anything like the last few Corvettes, you know, it's going to be fast, but it's going to be numb. You know, it's it's not going to be anything mm-hmm. special other than, you know, you can do some burnouts and, you know, that's a, that to me, that's all mine was good for was going fast in a straight line. You know, I know on paper it said that it would do like a 1.06 G turn and things like that, but, you know, it didn't matter because I didn't feel confident driving it. You know, it, it's it just wasn't a confidence inspiring car and if you've got a car that doesn't inspire confidence you're not going to be a good driver you know you're not going to be able to take that thing to its limit because you know that's just uh it doesn't feel right to you i don't know have you guys driven a c7 yes i've i spent some time in a c7 uh, we do software upgrades like we just finished a software upgrade on a 16 ferrari f12 berlinetta and before that we did a bmw m2 competition you know just uh basically reflashing the ecu and whatnot. So anyway, I uh, a friend of ours has had a fourteen uh, C seven in really really nice car. You know, it had uh, every option they offered. You know, it had the full leather and, and all of that. I flashed it, and you know, all it did was make it less confident and inspiring. You know, it it made it less fun to drive for me because if you, you know, if you're not driving it in the higher RPM range or stretching it out or whatever, it's just you're not getting to experience what the car was made for. So, you know, it had, by the time we got finished with it, it had about 530 horsepower. It still wasn't fun. It, it wasn't impressive, you know. It felt a little more European versus the uh, the C6, uh, but it still felt too much like my C6. You know, it just wasn't, uh, like Charles said, it didn't have the magic. And then then that same uh, that same guy had talked his, uh, another close friend of his into ordering the uh, C7Z06. It was just more of the same thing. You know, it was a little bit tighter, but it's, you know, it felt like it wanted to kill you in the corners and, you know, it just didn't do anything for me. What are your guys' thoughts on this, on the, uh, the NC1? I don't think we've ever talked 2017 plus Acura NSX. Yeah, it's always been a mixed bag for me. I love the car. I love the look. Uh, I love that it's all-wheel drive. For me, the the hybrid is what, what makes me, uh, I don't know kind of dislike it a little bit, but it has really grown on me just because I think hybrid is, uh, 
why do I not like hybrid? Yeah. What is it about that? Because I hear that a lot. Well, uh, just because the battery technology, I don't think is there yet. Um, from I've had some mm. some family and some friends that have had hybrids, and from uh, from their experience, yeah, they had hybrid supercars. Yeah, the batteries don't last. Uh, you get five to five to seven years out of them, and then you got to replace a battery pack that you know several thousand dollars. So it's interesting you say that because I was talking to Brando earlier about it because I was I was listening to another podcast this morning, CarCast, and I never thought about this angle, but Matt was saying that his hardcore friends at Edmonds were saying that you don't want to buy an EV or hybrid vehicle. You want to lease them because you have no idea where the technology is going to be in five or 10 years. And I've never thought about that because my plan is to step into an NC1 in the next 24 to 36. But now for once, starting today, I have pause about that. So it's interesting you say that. Hmm. Well, that's always been my my outlook on it. And only because I have had some some family that that had to replace their batteries in a Prius and and a couple other cars, but um, I don't know. It's just uh, that would be my reservations on it. Now, if they brought out that same car with just rear wheel drive only and a twin turbo V six, I'd be all on board. Yeah, what could you not like about that? But you understand it wouldn't really be much different than like my car. Well, it wouldn't, but it would. It would probably be you know, at least a thousand pounds lighter. You take two motors out of the equation plus a battery pack and it would. Those uh, batteries are extremely. That's heavy. right. Well, and two, take into consideration this. So like if you did have a twin turbo six cylinder, right. And, and the NSX platform, you have Honda reliability and what else is out there, you know, with five, you know, if it was say you still had 570 horsepower, say they up the displacement a little bit and, you know, up the, uh, the boost just a little bit and say you're there, or, you know, 600 horsepower. And maybe, I mean, if they call it an R variant or something like that, but anyway, regardless, if, if it was a, uh, a non EV car, then you've got, you know, the vehicles in this class, you've got the, uh, you know, the R8 and, you know, it's a very, to me, the R8 is, you know, nothing special. And we've had, uh, we've had extensive time with the R8. We we did flash it. We, you know, added a fab speed exhaust to to a client's car and we, you know, we spent extensive time on that car and with that car as far as tuning and all of that. And, you know, it's you know, to me, you know, again, talking about magic, you know, they did away with the the manual which I understand the uh the NSX also has the uh, you know, nine speed dual clutch, but regardless, the uh I've driven an NC1 and you know, you, you still have that connection, you know, you still feel like you're in control and, you know, like the car's doing what you want it to do. And, you know, the, so you've got the R8 to compare it to, you've got say a, a McLaren 570 and you've got, you know, the McLaren reliability issues you have to worry about, you know? So if you threw the, um, the NSX, you know, in with those cars, and even a 911 Turbo, you know, if you threw it in with there, the, you know, the fact that it has Honda's reliability and comparable horsepower and, you know, those looks to me, it's, it's just, you know, it's a better all-rounder. Oh, yeah. Looks amazing. So I think it would do, you know, much better if, you know, considering that class, you know, even, even without the hybrid. But, you know, the, the car that I drove for, you know, a, a little while, I really liked the hybrid mode. Yeah, I can see where it could, you know, cause issues. And I could see where, you know, it could be problematic later, but it's really cool to know that you can go in full silent mode or, 
you know, if you wanted to, uh, as far as gas mileage goes, you know, if you just had a few miles to run or whatever, you could you could go there without ever, you know, using any gas whatsoever. You know, what supercar gets mid twenties as far as gas mileage goes? If I recall correctly, breaking the car, like literally pressing the brake, recharges the batteries. Yes, correct. So a lot of the same technology that that's uh, that was used in the nine eighteen is used in the NSX. I think history is going to look back and see it as the bargain of the century, especially when the 2017s go off of lease. And I, I felt that way for a while, but man, after what I've heard today, I just give it pause because I really don't want to buy something that's going to be oh, well, don't I don't know, antiquated in 10 years because no, I just can't I get a new battery. Antiquated. Yeah. And of course they always build better battery packs as well too. And I'm sure they will make them, make them better. But it, I think it's going to be one of those things that not only you have a ton of belt and water pump to deal with, but, you know, every five to seven years, but then you'll have potentially batteries to replace at the same time. So it's, you know, it's definitely more maintenance with a hybrid. That's, I do you have the timing belt be, water pump to deal with? Because, you know, there's cars now, you never have to worry about the timing belt anymore. Are they timing chain on the new ones? I haven't even looked. Yeah, like, like the, like half of the new Audis, when I say new, we're talking maybe the last 10 years, you don't even have to worry about it. Like, like I'm on my wife's 2011 Audi A4. It's not mm-hmm. even a thing. Oh, wow. You just don't worry about it, huh? Yeah, you just don't worry about it. I think the NC1 is going to be much more reliable than what we think it's going to be. But looking at the, uh, you, know, you know, we don't have anything to compare it to. You know, there's not really any other, besides the 918 and the P1 and the LaFerrari, you know, that's... That's really the only other things that had that uh, technology to, uh, you know, to compare it to. And but I, I think that, the, you know, the NSX was very much over engineered and, you know, in a good way. Like, uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them you know, without trouble for for 15 years, opposed to, you know, something that might have trouble after, you know, right after the warranty's up, you know, or five or six, seven years. But we, we don't know because we've we haven't you know, we haven't got to experience that car for that that long. Do you guys think, because there's people are going on both sides of this, do you guys think that the launch, to bring it back home, the launch of the C8 is going to have an adverse effect on NC1 sales and availability? I think initially it, it probably will, but it's, it's, it's really hard to say because they're different buyers. Some people who have never experienced the magic of an NSX who have, have wanted one and maybe wanted to buy the NC1 as a first first NSX for them, uh, they might be swayed by the C8. See, yeah, do I don't know. I, I really think that uh, to me, you're dealing with a completely different type of human. You know, it's uh, if you just go to NS Expo or West Fest and hang out with us sometime, we are not the, uh, you know, it's not the same DNA that makes us up as the, uh, the Corvette guys. It's just, you know, it's just not. We, you know, there's really no characteristics of, you know, of our, you know, even our demeanor is different than Corvette owners. But I think that the guys that would that are going to buy an NSX, if they were willing to spend, you know, if a used one, say they were willing to spend 120 on an NSX, I genuinely think that they would still spend that on an NSX and not a Corvette. You know, sure, it's it's half the price, but I don't know. I may be completely wrong. I mean, I, I know that's the you know the polar opposite of what Charles was saying, but you know, <laughs> I may I may be. You know, I may be completely wrong as well, but I, I genuinely think that the NSX guys are going to be NSX guys. And I think the Corvette guys, you know, I don't think that they'll ever, the Corvette guys won't be persuaded to buy an NSX 
so yeah, maybe that's uh, that's the way to look at it. Is maybe the uh, the Corvette might pick up some new NSX owner or some guys that you know maybe were looking at the NSX, but they might uh, persuade them to buy the, the C8. But you know, I don't foresee a Corvette buyer. You know, even if you got into like the Z06 or whatever, where you were closer to the price point of the NSX, they're not going to buy an NSX, you know, no matter what. And it's just you know, so you know, you might see. Might see one or two guys get persuaded from the NSX to the Corvette, but certainly not vice versa. And I, you know, because you guys have seen the chatter on the NSX owners. Group. Oh yeah, everywhere. Yeah, um, and it's a lot of talk. And a lot of guys will say, you know, that you know they want the uh, they're going to keep their NA1 or NA2 and buy you know buy the C8. And I can understand that, but you know, to me, the C8 was never a car that I would consider just because it's you know after. Just have you know having that experience with the C7, you know it's just not fun to drive, and there's no reason for me to ever own a vehicle, you know, besides say a people carrier, you know that that's not fun to drive. You know, if it doesn't have a, a replay value, that's for me, it's just not a, it's not worth owning. Coming from a guy who rents vehicles every week, essentially, sometimes you want to just, I mean, let's just call it like it is. Like my car is modified substantially. But oh, there really? are times where I get in a rental car and it, I don't care what car it is. I'm just like, man, this is nice. This is sure. nice. Yeah. I, I had a Volvo S90 last week, T5, and man, this is nice. So then I think the guy who has maybe the modified Gen 1 NSX who wants just something they can get into, like a C7 or a C8, speaking from my own thoughts here, or even when I had the Camaro 2SS, I'm like, man, I could punch it and get some speed on this car, but I don't have to worry about getting out and smelling like I don't have cats on my car. And for people listening that don't know anything about cars for the entertainment, your cat is a catalytic converter. So if you do a straight pipe, you're going to smell like your car would normally smell if it wasn't wearing underwear. So it smells like <laughs> shit. <laughs> but, you know, you get out, you, you smell really bad in your car, you know, or I want to be able to get out of the car without, man, I don't. I don't want this thing just to dial me at the at the at the red light because it's embarrassing. So I think right. some of the NSX owners are looking at the C8 in that aspect. And also, food for thought, in my own observation, there seems to be a distinct difference between the NSX owner whose NSX whose first NSX is an NC1 versus an NSX owner who's had some Gen 1 NSXs and then bought an NC1. Exactly. There is a difference there. There seems to be well, a the, uh, significant the difference. Had no power, basically. So some of the some of the NC1 owners almost don't even want to associate with the Gen One NSX. It's like we experienced with that. We experienced that in Arizona, or that's what it feels like sometimes. So that's well, different. Yeah, I mean at NS Expo though, like we didn't. Or I haven't really noticed that whenever you're you're at something like an NS Expo event, but. I think that guys that are going to go to an NS Expo event, you know, are the guys that aren't going to be that way. But you know, if if you uh, and that may not make any sense either, but uh, that I, makes sense. I, you know, I I think that's you know. But if you're just you know, if somebody bought that car, you know, and I I hate this this analogy, but uh, say they bought it for a status car, that's a completely different animal. You know, that's, people do uh, that all the time. They do, and that's I. You know, I despise that, but, you know, that that is what people do, you know, and 
I've never bought a car for, for that reason. You know, I, uh, I love Porsches always have. I had a 97 C4S. It was guards red on black, just a awesome car. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had a few of the 996s. I had a 997 for a while and 993. And then I had, I had a 964. So I, I've owned several, you know, Porsches, but I've always bought them because I love the history behind it. You know, I love the fact that the, you know, the key still is still on the left side and the story behind that key, you know, and I love the history side of it. But I think that's one of the worst cars that's bought, you know, for a status car. You've heard Porsche the guy. Uh, yeah, the, the standard, typical Porsche guy. And I went to uh, one PCA <laughs> event, and that was whenever I had my. Um, yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who's worse, Porsche guy, Ferrari guy, Lamborghini guy, Audi guy? Mm, I would still say Porsche. Yeah, continue just with the story. It's such a vast array of douchebaggery. <laughs> it's uh, you, know, you douchebaggery in the Porsche. I I have really good friends who are Porsche owners, and they'll even attest to that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's just how, I mean, you can have a, you know, and it's, don't get me wrong, not all of them are like that, but you can have a guy with a, you know, a, a C2 uh, 996, you know, it, it might be worth 17 or 18 grand. And he's going to be as snobby as if it were, you know, a, uh, you know, a 991 with, you know. A, okay, a 991 it, GT3 that's all. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's just, I don't know why that is. It doesn't matter what year. And then, you know, the next guy in line might be the, uh, you know, the nicest guy ever, you know, that, that appreciates the car for what it is. And, you know, but, you know, some 62 year old with a fucking Kango hat and a G1 Porsche Boxster thinking this shit don't stink. That's exactly right. You know, <laughs> you know your shirt tucked in your shorts and, you know, your, uh, your sweet little uh, uh, Fedora or whatever. Fedora? <laughs> no, that's Fedora, Corvette yeah. guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's, so, correct. Well, that's right. Yeah, well, the Corvette you got to have a fanny pack. That's the only difference. <laughs> and a trucker cap. Yeah, but the uh, but yeah the uh, you know I have friends that own Lamborghinis and, and well uh, or Ferraris for that matter. I don't know a lot of people that own Lamborghinis, but as far as Ferraris go, and you know, you know, don't get me wrong, they you know they're they're terrible humans too. It's just uh, you know <laughs> I, I I just think the the level of douchebaggery is is unsurpassed with a uh, within the Porsche Club of America and you know with the uh, NSX Club of America. I'm, you know, I'm sure it's there somewhere. Oh, I know for a fact it's definitely there, especially when we did the NS Expo 2019 campaign in DC. That that basically mm-hmm. smoked out a lot of those guys, and I was it, extremely it disappointed with some of the NSX owners on both sides of the equation, on both sides of the argument. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? I've never I, seen I, anything I, as bad NSX related that, until this year. That, it was almost non-existent, right? You know, and some of those guys were uh, were you know, very new NA1 owners. And, but then there was guys that were, you know, you know, big into the community and people that you wouldn't expect it, you know, they, you know, got really upset about it. And it brought the worst in people. Some of those did. guys I'm, I'm, I'll forever be disappointed with. And I saw some of them in Monterey. You know, I'm kind of in that weird thing because I have the G1 NSX like everybody else, but I'm fortunate enough to get invited to some of these events. And yeah, man, there's, there's a lot of these guys I'm, incredibly disappointed with and i'm just like you know me and charles just want to be friends with everybody i just don't i never understood why people get mad over stuff that doesn't matter i mean that's the american way then again i don't get mad over stuff that does matter so i'm not a good example 
You guys, we're running out of time. I apologize. But the thing is, I'm going to have you both back on the podcast in 2020. This may or may not be the last podcast of 2019, but we still have to talk about because you guys have a whole other, both of you, I don't know if you do it together or not, not physically, but I don't know if <laughs> you do the other, the cue the, uh, the Pulp Fiction music in the pawn shop. But I don't know if, if, if you guys do the other half of the business together, but I know you have a ton of other cars, probably over a hundred. You do classic cars, you do all sorts of things. I want to have you on for um, the Builder's Corner segment so we could talk about how to work on specific things. Um, but as far as having you guys this sure. time to talk about who you guys are and how you guys met, it's been great. Hopefully you guys still love each other. This was a therapy session. Hopefully you, you see that sparkle in it each other's eyes session. like you originally did when you first met. I mean, how are you guys feeling right now? Staring at each other's eyes the entire time. So yeah, just wish you were here. I mean, I wish I was That's there right. too. It'd be like good times, right? It's an ice yeah. cream sandwich. <laughs> that, that would be pretty fantastic. But yeah, like next time around, yeah, I'd, I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into the uh, whole rack repair thing and how really how we got started in that and, you know, all of that stuff too. Because there's, my problem is I have so many car stories. <clears throat> and like with the, uh, when are we start ca- talking about the classic cars? You know, it's, um, I compare that to, I, I tell people I collect classic cars and old guitars. You know, they all have a story and you know, if they don't, I'm not attracted to it. And you have a guitar handy. You can jingle us on the way out here. Oh, maybe. What do you want to hear? I don't know. Just give us a, give us a nice little strum as we say goodbye to you guys so I can wrap up this podcast. Cause guess what? It's oh. 9.55 and I haven't had dinner yet. Ooh, I can go for some dinner. I'm going to try to blow through my entire week's per diem in one meal. Okay, here's an old guitar. You want to hear a song about Jay? Sure, send us off. Uh, I don't sing. I was just kidding. God damn it. How about that? So you did the little tapping. I was expecting like all out song. So anyway, I appreciate you guys for spending time. Again, Matt Lindsay, Charles Brown, NSX Record Repair, and so much more. A couple of hillbillies from Mississippi. Yeah, I called you hillbillies. I know you love it. Love Great you guys. Can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Yeah, we've enjoyed How can they reach you? Yes, nsxrecordrepair.com. And you can email them at nsxrecordrepair at gmail.com. So if you're driving an Acura NSX and it starts squeaking and squeaking and squeaking or whatever the symptoms are that they said earlier, make sure you reach out and get a hold of them. They'll take care of you. They took care of me twice one for each of them i was on purpose on my part i wanted them both to have equal share (laughs) but now keep in mind too we do time water pump you know we can you know if we need to rebuild your engine we'll rebuild your engine you know we we have a we have three client nsx's here right now and you know between charles and i we have nine so we've uh, we've experienced just about everything you can experience with one if we can help in any way we have a body shop as well and we uh yeah, so we can take care of any of your NSX needs. We're happy to do so. Sounds good. All right, guys. I thank you for spending the time with me. I'm going to go have some dinner. You guys are awesome, and we'll talk to you again. Have a Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, depending on if you celebrate that or not, and we'll catch Merry you on Christmas. the flip side. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas, Jay. All right, talk to you guys later. All right, talk to you soon. Text me before you Bye. go to bed. <laughs> That does it for this week's episode. Special thanks to Matt Lindsay and Charles Brown for joining us on behalf of NSXRackRepair.com. You can follow me on Instagram at NA2NSX or you can follow Brandon O'Bara Meta at ThatDamnNSX. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. 
leave a positive review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. It makes a bigger difference than you think when you leave a review. The Hard Parking Podcast can be reached at hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. Please send us your questions, your concerns, your topics. Let us know. Let us hear from you. Special thanks to the Passion Hi-Fi on SoundCloud for providing these awesome tunes that we use free. Last but not least, I want to thank our sponsors, TalkMobileNet.com, Genesis Channel on Instagram, and DressUpBolts.com. So for Brando Barometta, I am Jay Finning. This is the Hard Parking Podcast. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together.